0: Alrighty guys, welcome back to the Mob Squad Pod. This is episode twenty eight, presented by Blue Wire Hustle. This week you've got myself and you've got Aaron. What's up, Aaron? How you doing? Hey Nick. How's
1: it going? It's going all right here. It's uh we're probably experiencing the same weather. It was kinda a little bit sunny peeking through today.
0: But I mean, yeah, man, it, was it was a little
1: it's a little bit cloudy this weekend
0: yeah it was a little sunny today just a uh, like a little glimmer here and there this weekend was actually pretty decent so i'm sure that means the next 10 days or so we're gonna get nothing but rain and no sunshine so snow
1: i heard snow on the forecast
0: yeah i heard that was a possibility we'll see i I could do without that but we'll see it's it's pretty much fits my mood um Because ever since Saturday, I've just been sad. (laughs) Yeah. Because, yeah, that game, man, in case you guys somehow don't know, the Rams lost to the Packers. Um, I I think it hurts me because I went into this game super confident, and I guess I gassed myself up, and maybe I shouldn't have done it as much as I did. But I was pretty much convinced that the Rams were going to win the game because... I love that defense that we have so much. And I just felt like if our offense was okay and our defense played the way they've been playing all year, we'd win the game. Uh, So much so that I even put money on the Rams to win the game. Like I was full blown set on the Rams winning this game. So when they didn't win and I felt like they could have, it's just been kind of painful ever since I've thought about it. I don't know what your thoughts were going into this one because I don't remember um, what your prediction was for this one. If we had a chance to talk about that one, it seems like all these games have gone so quickly. I can't keep all of our conversations straight. So I don't know what your thoughts were on this one going into it. Did you Were you of the opinion that the Rams you know, had a chance or they were going to win, or were you kind of thinking that the Packers had this one the whole time?
1: Yeah, so I remember last week I was – very much emphasizing that offense wins championships, not defenses. And uh, as you can see, the Packers prevailed with that number one. Oh, I'm joking. I said defense wins championships. And uh, the Packers defense showed up much better than I would say the Rams defense did, sadly. Yeah. I had I had much higher hopes. I thought if the Rams could not turn the ball over, which they did not. And the defense played like they normally do. we had an excellent chance of winning this game. I had also hoped that Aaron Donald was going to be playing a little bit more, but I think clearly as we saw the that rib injury must have uh must really took a number on him because he he was not the same effective aaron uh Donald we've seen in the past, and he was very limited on his game time and then Cooper Cup was hurt, he didn't get a play. Um, so I mean, a couple of those things that kind of got tossed into the mix. Uh, I was, I was confident the Rams are going to win, but they
0: did not. The end of the season was really weird because I felt like everything that had gone right for the first, like 16 weeks of the season totally flipped. And the last like three weeks or two weeks, it's been the exact opposite. So. All year, our offense has just been kind of okay. Nothing stellar. Defense has been phenomenal. And we made it through the entire part of the season without any major injuries aside from Andrew Whitworth. Aside from that, all of our you know big-name guys, starters, nobody really got hurt. And then the past like two or three weeks, everything has kind of shifted. Our defense in the Packer game was not good. Our offense actually was pretty damn good, especially considering our quarterback only had nine fingers. Um, And the injuries all of a sudden just racked up. We went from having basically no injuries to Cup being out, Edwards being out. Donald wasn't even, I don't even think he was playing at 80%. Um, He was hurt and um, I'm missing somebody. There was another one. Um, Let's see. It was it was uh, Edwards, it was Donald, it was Cup. I'm missing somebody. Um, obviously, Goff was hurt, too. I think I'm missing somebody. I could be wrong. But my point is, it was so weird how the first part of the season and the last part, like the last two weeks, everything kind of flipped, which was really weird. And going into the playoffs, having those kinds of injuries... You know, right before you go into a game on the road for a chance to go to the NFC championship, I think we'd all agree that's very less than ideal, especially when it's guys like Cooper Cup and David Edwards, who I think we all saw the, the Packers game, how important those guys are. Maybe if you're an outsider looking in, you wouldn't think so. But I think as Rams fans, those of us that watch the game week in, week out, we do saw a noticeable difference in how the offense um, protected golf on the line because Edwards wasn't there and, you know, not having cup there, he's our third down machine. He's our third down guy. So not having him out there really hurt too. Um, that was just kind of my takeaway from it was, man, this season kind of flipped to last like two weeks. Everything went from being this way to being this way. So that was my, my first initial takeaway was what the hell happened? Um, obviously the Packers were coming in completely healthy and fully loaded aside from not having David Bakhtiari, but, uh, that really didn't prove to be any difference, at least in this game, we'll see what happens for them going forward. But in this game, that proved to be pretty much no problem whatsoever, because I, I don't know if you felt any different, but I felt like every time Rogers went back to pass, he could have held the ball for 10 seconds if he wanted to. Um, oh my gosh. There was, there was hardly
1: any pressure on him Most of the game. Yeah. And with a guy like Rogers back there, I mean, you give him that much time to throw the ball. I, I don't know how you can anticipate the DBs to hold out on the receivers for that long, or even the linebackers. Yeah. He had a lot
0: of time. Yeah. And I mean, there was a shot towards the end of the game where the Fox crew caught you know, Rogers going down under center and he just had a smile on his face from, you know, ear to ear. You could tell he was totally comfortable. He wasn't worried. He wasn't under duress. Like it, there was nothing to worry about. Uh, our defense just was not it. That was not the defense we saw all year. And I think you could make the argument that having a less than healthy Aaron Donald we saw the impact that that has on this defense. If he's not Aaron and Donald, this defense is just kind of average at best. Um, that's going to be, I would say a pretty big problem moving forward because if something happens next year, you know, um, I think we're going to really have to worry if he's gone for any extended amount of time, that's just worst case scenario. But, um, I was I don't know how you felt about this, but I saw the reports going into the week that it was just like a rib cartilage thing and he was going to be fine. And everyone was like, oh, he's playing. No worry about it. He's good to go. And so I was under the impression that, he, OK, well, he's totally fine. He might wear like a flak jacket or something and he's going to go 100 percent and we're good to go. And that was clearly not the case, because like I said, I don't even think he was 80 percent. He looked um, very pedestrian. And like you said, he wasn't even on the field for it. felt like half the defensive snaps. It felt like he was on the sideline.
1: Yeah, I I had really hoped, yeah, reading the news, uh, he was going to be playing a lot more and he was going to be at a lot higher level. I mean, with those guys, I don't know what they inject them with to kind of kill the pain. And then, yeah, the flak jacket. Uh, but I think it was pretty evident very early into that game he was not the effective aaron donald we've seen of all season and it didn't take me very long to say to myself oh no he's not getting any pressure at all uh he's just not the same guy and it really made a difference there was no pressure as we mentioned there's no pressure on aaron Rodgers. he had plenty of time to throw the ball Um, he didn't seem stressed distressed not at all Um, not at all and you get a, a quarterback that's MVP caliber like that. I mean, he's just going to light your defense up. And he did. He found open guys consistently. And that offense just kept the ball moving. Even the run game was, they were running it down the Rams' throat. It was not an impressive game defensively. Bad time to have a bad defensive game. But yeah. I think really you do have to be concerned. Aaron Donalds has one game where, you know, he's not full go. And I mean, this is kind of how the defense responds. Um, it shouldn't be so heavily relied to on one person. I think if we had a hundred percent Aaron Donald, it could have been a slightly different game for sure.
0: Yeah. Um, and like I said, the offense, this game was not the problem. Everyone went into this game thinking Donald is okay. It's golf. We're going to have to worry about because it came out pretty, you know, pretty close to the game that Wolford was out so Goff was clearly going to be the starter so that was where your immediate um, worry went was okay well we're gonna we're just gonna have to worry about Goff because it's gonna be cold thumb is still healing and he actually played the game with two gloves on so he kind of did the Teddy Bridgewater move Teddy two gloves Um, but he threw the ball actually pretty well I think it was the second series of the of the game he made a couple really nice tight window throws one was to woods i can't remember if the other one was to woods as well or if it was to reynolds but he made a couple really good throws and i was really surprised i was like okay goff came out he's got a fire lit under his ass and he's ready to win this game let's go and the defense just kind of wasn't able to keep up their end of the bargain and the and the rams offense really didn't have too many chances to fight back um
1: No, not at all. The The Packers, the time of possession,
0: I mean, they just dominated, especially that first half. And I, I'll i say it again, give Goff a lot of credit because the guy had nine fully working fingers and was playing with gloves on his hands, and that's obviously not something he does normally, but he had zero turnovers, like you said, and he played a pretty damn good game, all things considered. You You cannot in any way put this loss on him. You really can't. Um, the I, I think the thing that... It's hard to put it on one thing, but a couple things that I think really um, kind of broke the Rams back in this game was just like the stupid self-inflicted stuff that we did. And obviously the big one is Aaron Donald had the 15-yard unnecessary roughness penalty the play was going to be, it was going to be a third and seven, which anytime you can force a team to third and long, especially this team, that's great. Right. But wasn't meant to be because Aaron Donald had a very stupid penalty where he got called for um, the unnecessary roughness. And that went from being a possible third and seven to first down and 15 free yards. So you can't do that. Obviously that drive also turned into a touchdown. So not good. Austin Corbett was called for a false start on a fourth and one, which I thought was also huge because I don't know if you remember that drive specifically, but it was fourth and one. The Rams were driving, and I think at that point, a touchdown was going to give them a one point lead because I think it was 16 to 10, I think, or something like that yeah I, th- I believe i believe that's correct yeah. i think that's right and it was a fourth and one and at first i was like dude if he doesn't go for this i'm gonna be pissed and then he kept the offense out there so i was like all right let's go you know there's no tomorrow we got to win this game let's go for it fourth and one and then we get that false start it's fourth and six and i'm like you gotta be freaking kidding me dude like those are just absolute drive killers so i had to settle for a field goal and if you're playing the number one offense in football Field feel goals are not going to do it, which obviously it didn't. So that hurt. And then the other big plays, this killed me. I, I thought I was going to start crying when this happened. Um, Troy Hill and John Johnson dropped interceptions before halftime that could have saved three points. Um, and they were literally on back-to-back plays. I don't know if you remember that one either, but literally oh, yes. before halftime when Rogers was driving, we had two plays back to back where the ball literally hits Hill and Johnson in the hands and they both drop it. And I was just like, this can't be happening. Like, what are we doing? Um, and I guess that should have been my cue from the football gods that the ball just wasn't going to go our way this game because the other play that could have potentially saved us was, I think it was in the third quarter. It might've been the fourth quarter. Uh, there was a hit on Dylan, the running back and the ball popped out and Jordan Fuller was running right for the ball. If you see the replay, he's running right for it. Jordan Fuller is going to pick that ball up and he's going to score. It's going to be a fumble scoop score. And the game, I think at that point was going to be tied. I believe it would have been 25, 25, but somehow the ball pops out of Dylan's hands, bounces on the ground and lands right back in Aaron Rodgers' lap. So that fumble that could have been a scoop and score tie game lands right back in Roger's hands. They maintain the ball and they score again. So it literally, the ball did not bounce our way. It just didn't. So, but you can't say the Rams were, you know, I I think it'd be unfair to say the Rams got blown out. Wouldn't you say like, this wasn't like we got dusted or we looked like a completely inferior team. I think all things considered, we had chances to win this game. Wouldn't you agree?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, especially in the fourth quarter, I mean, we're down by a touchdown before the Packers land that, that last, you know, touchdown to put them up 32 to 18. But after that, you know, fancy was a hook and ladder, uh, two point conversion. That was awesome. Yeah, that was pretty sweet. Uh, get within seven. um, I mean they had opportunities to go back down and tie the game, just didn't make it happen and then and the Packers got that that touchdown that really kind of just sealed the deal and put it away.
0: Yeah, there were there were so many scenarios like uh butterfly effect. I mean, if that ball just bounces one way or another and we get that fumble or John Johnson or Troy Hill catches one of those picks, like There are so many other scenarios. There's so many other ways this game could have gone, and the Rams could have won this game, which is crazy when you consider, like we said, they were playing with a half-healthy Aaron Donald and a quarterback with four good fingers on his throwing hand. I mean, all things considered, when you factor in the injuries we had, we're playing on the road in Lambeau against the MVP, all things considered, like you said, it was a one touchdown, one possession game in the fourth quarter. That's pretty freaking incredible. If you factor all that stuff in, all things considered, that's pretty damn impressive. Yeah, so And
1: there was fans there too. I, uh, yeah. I completely forgot that the Packers were going to have fans.
0: Yeah. So when you factor all of that stuff in, and it was only a one possession game in the fourth quarter on the road in Lambeau with fans in the stands – I mean, it's kind of hard to be too upset. I'm more disappointed than I am upset. But, man, that game could have gone so many different ways. Um, You just feel like if that game were to get played ten times, it might be split, even five and five, because clearly that wasn't our best defense. We weren't healthy, and just the ball didn't bounce our way. So, But that's kind of the the blessing and the curse of, of football, as opposed to baseball where you have like a seven game series or a five game series, you kind of have to leave it all on the table and put your best foot forward and you have to win that game. And it's whoever's better that day wins and that's it. So we're officially in off season mode and boy, has it been an off season already? My God. Um, Before I touch on some of those things, just a couple next gen stats that I saw that were pretty interesting. The Wildcat that we saw, which I thought was pretty genius for McVay to break out. Uh, Cam Akers took a direct snap for a seven-yard touchdown, which was pretty cool. Uh, So we ended up having three carries out of the Wildcat for nine yards in the touchdown. Going into that game, the Rams had only used the Wildcat formation one other time (laughs) under Sean McVay, and that was in 2017. So pretty cool. Um, As far as the matchup between... Jalen Ramsey and Jair Alexander, who's another really good corner that I don't know if a lot of people know about or talk about Jalen Ramsey obviously is probably the best Jair. Alexander is also a really good corner. The matchups between them Jalen Ramsey did not have a good game at all. Uh, and Jair Alexander had a pretty awesome game. Alexander only allowed one catch for negative three yards on three targets, which is phenomenal. Ramsey, on the other hand, allowed six catches for 55 yards and a touchdown on six targets. So having a half-healthy Aaron Donald and a you know subpar Jalen Ramsey, that's tough to overcome, really tough. The, pa- the Packers pressured Goff on 15 of his 31 dropbacks, which was the highest pressure rate allowed in a game under Sean McVay. That's crazy. That ended up being 48.4% the Rams three highest pressure rates allowed this season all came in their last three games, which again kind of goes back to what I was saying the first 16 weeks of this season. And then the last like two or three weeks just felt completely flipped. Super weird, really bad timing too. Uh, The Rams had only allowed two plays of 50 plus yards all season prior to playing green Bay. And they had two in the game. The Packers had that 60 yard, uh, touchdown run. And they also had that 58 yard touchdown pass to Alan Lazard. So well, I they think had a 60
1: give... yard run was the, the one right
0: after halftime, right? Yeah. Yeah. Got
1: tackled just short of a touchdown, but still was killer.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that, you know, to only give up two of those all season and then to give up two in one game in the playoffs, that's tough. Again, the way that the season played out, it was like two different teams there at the end. Just kind of crazy that that happened. Um, but anyway, like I said, we're going into off season mode there's already a lot to talk about. Um, I'll just start off with the free agency. Um, we have 17 players that are eligible to become free agents this off season, and there's actually some pretty big names on this list. And you have to figure that there's only so much money to go around and there's only so many roster spots to go around, so... I, there's no way all of these guys are coming back. I'm sure more than half of these guys won't be coming back, but the list includes John Johnson, Troy Hill, Leonard Floyd, Gerald Everett, Austin Blythe, Josh Reynolds, Darius Williams, Samson Abukam, Morgan Fox, and Malcolm Brown. Th- those are the big names on that list. And I'll ask you, Aaron, if you could only keep one guy out of that list, who do you think the Rams should keep? Who do you think is going to be, the most important going forward, who would you make a priority? Oh my gosh. One. <laughs> I'm going to give you one. And then I'm going to give you also a little second, a second piece, just, just in case, oh, but I'm curious to know who your one guy would be.
1: Okay. Let me see. Um, <clears throat> my one and only, uh, I would say Leonard Floyd. I think really? I want to try to keep Leonard Floyd. I want to see what this guy can do next year. Uh, I want to see if he can produce uh, a little higher, higher numbers. Um, I, Yeah. I'm going to go with Leonard Floyd. Okay.
0: So then now if I'm giving you a second guy, who would be your second guy?
1: Okay. I think I like to say John Johnson.
0: Okay. I feel like I'm playing the lottery here. Um, He's a phenomenal lose. player, obviously. I mean, all these guys are pretty good. Um, When I think when it comes to usage rates and stuff, you can make the argument that some guys are more valuable than others. Uh, My only issue with Leonard Floyd is, and this is another issue we're going to have to talk about next, um, we're losing Brandon Staley as our defensive coordinator. And that would worry me because I don't know how much of Brandon Staley's defensive schemes... Helped Leonard Floyd and how much Leonard Floyd just had a breakout year. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know if next year without Brandon Staley, if we get the same Leonard Floyd, that's the only thing you have to worry about. Um,
1: yeah, no, I, I definitely agree hundred percent. I'm curious to see on how the defensive scheme is going to change. Yeah. So that's
0: the only thing that worries me is without Staley, what kind of Floyd are we going to get? But he did have a really phenomenal year. So if they bring him back, I'm not going to be upset about it. I, I, you know, he had a good year. So if he comes back, not going to be upset. Me personally, um, if I can only take one guy off this list, I'm going to take Darius Williams. Um, He had a really, really good year. And he came out of nowhere. He had so many clutch moments. He owns Russell Wilson. So in our division, he owns him. That's great. Um, Yeah. And I I think having someone who can be opposite Jalen Ramsey is going to be big because obviously if you get into a situation where – the offense comes in that you're playing and they only have to worry about one cover corner, it's pretty simple. Just throw it the other way. Oh, Jalen Ramsey's covering my right? Okay, I'll just throw it left. You know, so I feel like I would want Darius Williams to kind of be opposite of Jalen Ramsey. Um, If I could take a second guy off this list, I think I would probably go... It's tough between Leonard Floyd and Morgan Fox, honestly, because I feel like Morgan Fox came on strong towards the end of the season, and I liked when he would come in and kind of spell Aaron Donald or Floyd, and I felt like he was doing pretty well. So I'm kind of curious to see what he's going to do going forward, but Leonard Floyd is also, I think, a solid choice. It's kind of hard to let him go after what he did this year, so I'll, I'll... I guess I'll pick Floyd because he's more proven I guess cuz he had more snaps this year. But I wouldn't hate Morgan Fox coming back either. So I guess that's my honorable mention. I kind of cheated there. Um there's definitely a couple guys I would not be disappointed if they came back again
1: next year. There's yeah. a couple I think we could do without. But yeah. Like um for, I
0: mean Everett, I don't know. Yeah, like Everett already they don't use him. Malcolm they Brown. don't even use Higby, which yeah. pisses me off. But
1: yeah, they really don't. Uh, Malcolm Brown, I mean, he's one of those brute running backs, brute force running backs, but, I mean, I don't I don't think he's a priority. No. Um, and then Josh Reynolds can be that kind of flex guy that jumps in here and there, but I wouldn't put him as a priority either.
0: Yeah, so. not with Van Jefferson. They're going to have to start yeah, using exactly. him more. Yep. So, uh, yeah, it, it's just kind of one of those things – there's no way, like I said, that even half of these guys are probably coming back. So we'll see. But getting into what I just mentioned about Brandon Staley, this is uh, <laughs> literally like I think this broke the next day, which yeah. did not make the loss any easier to take. Um, our first year defensive coordinator who led our defense to you know leading the league in pretty much every defensive category and being elite. Is gone, and to make it even worse, he's going across the building, staying in L.A., and he's going to be the new head coach for the Los Angeles Chargers. So well,
1: they probably just got a bigger office. That's it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I mean it better be bigger. I would hope. Uh, so uh, this really bummed me out because I really loved, obviously, what our defense did, and I was like, "There's no way after one year this guy's going to leave," right? Like no one's going to hire him after just one year as a coordinator. Cause if you remember, right. This guy's only been a court. This is his first year as a defensive coordinator. He came from being a outside linebackers coach. So I was like, there's no way one of these teams is going to hire him after one year, but he had offers from the jets and the chargers and probably some other teams. So he was highly sought after and literally like the next day, they made it official. So good for him. Happy for him. Obviously, there's only so many of these jobs that come around. So it's hard to be in that position when someone calls and says, Hey, do you want to be our head coach? You know, there's only 32 of these to go around. So it's kinda and you never know when your chance is going to come to get one. So it's it's hard to fault him for saying yes. Um, but I'm just disappointed because God, I would have loved to have seen him mold this defense a little bit more, especially with Donald and Ramsey. But We got the pieces still. We'll just have to, you know, kind of see what happens going forward. Um, What were your thoughts on Staley taking that job, and especially taking the job with the Chargers?
1: I was not really too surprised. I I mean, with the success he had this year, we were all dreaming that he wasn't going to get one of these head coaching positions. Uh, i think a decent amount there was a lot of vacancies uh for some of these positions and i mean the chargers he doesn't have to move it's they're right there in the same yeah super convenient right yeah incredibly convenient um in fact that that was the team that i was worried about that he would actually go to (laughs) and then sure as hell he's with the chargers uh I, I'm not surprised. I mean, I think he's going to have some success there too. You look at these defensive coordinators that that uh become head coaches and I think uh there's good potential for a lot of success. I mean, Lovey Smith did it. Um and he was he was a great defensive coordinator and then I thought he was a great coach for was it the Bears? I think was, like, was with the Bears? Yeah. Lovey Smith?
0: Yeah, Lovey Smith. Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh So I, I see I see uh good things for this guy. I think I think
0: oh, yeah. I, I think he's going to be extremely successful. Yeah. And I really I do.
1: The, I think the Chargers already I think the Chargers have the pieces to make up a, a good team, which I don't enjoy saying because they're in the Raiders division. But I'm a little bit nervous with him going to be their head coach now. I, <laughs> I think, think I, you should I really be. Should um,
0: I know for me personally, just as a fan, when I looked at all of the all of the openings so the eagles the texans the falcons chargers all these teams that needed head coaches i personally thought that the chargers was the best option if it were me and and i had all these guys coming to me like the jets and all these other teams i'd be like no 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 no, no. i'm going to the chargers because they already have justin herbert who looks like a phenomenal pick uh it just had a great rookie year and it looks like they aren't gonna miss with that one so it looks like they have a franchise quarterback yep they still have Joey Bosa and they still have uh Derwin James who's a phenomenal safety and he's only been in the league I think two seasons so you still got him um so I mean if it were me I would totally have taken the Chargers job you got a young core um to it's gonna be really low expectation so he's gonna get several years and no, he doesn't have to come in and immediately go to the playoffs or anything like that. No one's gonna expect that. Um, so I just feel like it was the best best case scenario, best situation for him or for anybody that was looking for a head coaching position. So That's good awesome. for him. Um the funny little wrinkle to this story is also apparently he wanted to interview the offensive coordinator for the Rams um, Kevin O'Connell and uh, Sean McVay said, no, he denied the request, which is the right of the team to do because per NFL rules, if you have a guy that's going for a lateral position and not a promotion, the team can say, no, they can decline the request. So Staley and the chargers requested an interview with O'Connell And McVay and the Rams said, no, no, brother, not happening. So as of now, that's not happening. It's always possible that that could change. Who knows? But as of now, he did want to take O'Connell from the staff, you know, from the Rams. And they said no. So interesting little wrinkle there. It'll be kind of funny to see if a little rivalry brews in L.A. um, And it's, you know, McVay versus Staley. That'd be kind of funny. Um, and also, since we're talking about defensive coordinator leaving, that position has already been filled, uh, and that just happened about an hour before we started recording per Josina Anderson, Raheem Morris, who was the interim head coach and the defensive coordinator for the Falcons is going to be the new Rams defensive coordinator. So. That position has already been filled. This all is happening super fast. Literally in like three days, we went from losing our DC to getting our DC again. And so here we are. Um, It'll be interesting to see how it goes. Raheem and Sean have worked together in the past. So they already have a relationship. Um, I, I don't know too much about him other than I know he used to be the head coach for the Bucks. And I think that was like, Man, if that was a while ago. I think that was like nine years ago or eight years ago. Um, so I don't know too much about him, but um, if Sean McVay trusts him, that's good enough for me. I, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll just give Sean the benefit of the doubt. And uh, we've already established that we've got good players on the defensive side of the ball, so can't be too bad, right? <laughs> um, the other note that I think is really worth um, talking about. Is is the Sean McVay coaching tree because he's only been the coach for, what, like four years now? And his, like, little tree is kind of starting to sprout, which is kind of funny. Um, Already we've seen Zach Taylor, who is the 2018 quarterback coach for the Rams. He's now the head coach for the Bengals. Matt LaFleur was our offensive coordinator in 2017, which I don't know if a lot of people realized, but... In 2017, Matt LaFleur was our offensive coordinator. He's obviously now the head coach of the Packers. And Kyle Shanahan didn't come from a Sean McVay staff, but Kyle Shanahan was working with Sean McVay when they were working with the Washington football team. They were all on that same staff. So they all worked together at the same time. And obviously now Shanahan's the head coach in San Francisco. So it's kind of funny how all of this, this little web is kind of starting to grow. And another thing that I thought was, was pretty funny and, and worth noting, maybe not if you're a Washington football team fan, but Sean McVay, Matt LaFleur and Kyle Shanahan were all on the same staff at one point in Washington. How crazy is that?
1: That is pretty wild.
0: <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine being Daniel Snyder or just a red, uh, I almost said. Redskin, I'm sorry. Uh <laughs> Washington football team fan. And looking back on it and being like, How the hell did we have Sean McVay, Matt LaFleur, and Kyle Shanahan all on the same staff, and we let all three of them go? Are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> yeah. So oh that's gotta God. sting a little bit.
1: <laughs> I think I'd be kicking themselves.
0: Yeah. And so now obviously Brandon Staley's a head coach. So now that's gonna add to the tree. So in four years. Sean McVay's staff has produced three head coaches. That's kind of crazy. And the trend in the NFL now seems to be getting the young guy, getting the guy who's really young and not too much experience. And I don't know if that's just because they just want a guy that's young and they're kind of like a copycat league, or if they're just tired of maybe some of these old guys who are kind of stuck in their ways and, don't really know the analytics or whatever, but it's kind of crazy guys like LaFleur and Zach Taylor, McVay, Shanahan, um, Staley, all these guys only had like a year or two as a coordinator and they're all in their early to mid thirties. And now they're suddenly head coaches in the NFL, which is crazy because I feel like, you know, when you and me first started watching football, all the head coaches were all like super old guys. Like, Oh yeah. It was like, you know, I, I can't think of any names off the top of my head, but it was always like, like some Bill old Marshalls. guy in his like, <laughs> yeah. Like guys oh. in like their fifties, sixties, seventies, maybe like Dick Lebeau and on the Steelers and like all these guys who were just like really old. And now it's kind of shifted to where really young guys, couple years in the league. All right, let's give them a shot. So, Interesting how that shift is kind of gone. Um, the last thing we'll hit on, and this is not great, not ideal, uh, but I guess I guess we should... I saw this coming. I mentioned this last week about how if John Wolford was named the starter for this game, and especially if he was named the starter and the Rams won, the Goff-McVeigh era was going to be over because there's no way you can come back from that because you're going to have a... Doug Peterson, Carson Wentz situation all over again. Yeah, that didn't happen. But after the game, Sean was asked about Goff's status as the starter. And he had some really interesting comments. And you kind of have to read between the lines. If you just kind of take them at face value, I guess you could say it's whatever. But if you read between the lines and kind of analyze what he said, it doesn't paint a pretty good picture or an outlook. Um. Regarding Goff's future in L.A. and their relationship with each other. So at the end of his press conference, after the Packers loss, he was asked a pretty simple, benign question. Is he your quarterback? And McVay's response was, yeah, he's the quarterback right now. Yeah. So. Doesn't give you much hope, does it? Yeah. I mean, like I said, on the surface, you could just take that for what it's worth. Yeah, he's the quarterback right now. But if you actually think about that and analyze that, that leaves the door wide open for a lot right now. What do you mean right now? What about next week? What about next month? What about training camp? So then the following day, he was asked to kind of follow up on that because that was actually the, like the last question that, that he was asked. And the press conference just kind of ended on that, which was a major cliffhanger. Right. Um so then the next day they kind of asked him a follow-up and they were like, Hey, so your comments yesterday, right now, what does that mean? And he basically said, quote, we're in a situation that we're in evaluation mode. All those things are things that we're, we're moving forward. We're looking forward. I can't answer any of those questions until, like I said, I take a step back and evaluate everything that is in the best interest of the Rams. So, again, not exactly a vote of confidence. If you were to ask that question to Matt LaFleur, Andy Reid, um, Sean McDermott, John Harbaugh, if you were to ask those guys, hey, is Patrick Mahomes your quarterback? There's no way in hell they're going to say, yeah, he's the quarterback right now. There's no shot. (laughs) If you ask any of those coaches about those quarterbacks, they're going to roll their eyes and be like, uh, yeah, duh. Next question. You know, but here we are. And I had kind of mentioned this during the season with some of the play calling. I was like, you know, I feel like McVay doesn't trust golf because some of these weird screen calls on third down and these weird little check down plays when we need like, 15, 20 yards, and we do like a two yard check down or like a slant. I'm like, this doesn't seem right. I feel like he just doesn't trust Goff. And it's starting to look like that's more and more the case. And for him to make these comments, it certainly paints a picture of zero trust. But here's the problem regardless of whether he starts this next season. It doesn't look like he's going to be going anywhere because the way his contract is, is structured, it's almost impossible to cut him. And I don't know what trade value he has right now either because he didn't have a great 2019 and he didn't have a great 2020. He's just kind of average. So I don't know who's going to want to take the contract. His base salary this coming season is $25 million. And it's already fully guaranteed. He has a roster bonus coming up of $2.5 million, A 2022 roster bonus of $15.5 million. So that's over $43 million in guarantees right there. And there's zero offsets in his contract. So I I don't see a situation where they cut him. I don't see a situation where they trade him. But, I mean, do you really see a situation next year where... We're paying this guy all this money and he's he's the backup. I
1: cannot imagine that being the case at all. Uh I mean just how, how you explained it explained it. Um I still see Goff starting next year. And I don't know if maybe McVeigh's trying to stir the pot a little bit, make Goff think about his performance. <laughs> or what he's anticipating a performance from him for a season but uh I can't I can't imagine they're going to cut ties with him and I can't imagine they're going to be paying this guy this amount of money and have him be a backup but uh, really their best bet would be to try to trade him and I mean what team's going to want to take that type of uh package uh, yeah. And I don't I don't know the full logistics behind those types of trades either what what they would have to uh what these other teams would have to take on with taking somebody like golf. I mean there's a couple teams out there that could definitely probably use a quarterback. But I can't I, I like I said I still can't imagine the Rams parting ways with Goff. Um although it wasn't a great year this year, it wasn't a terribly bad year either. So I see him at least being the starting quarterback for another season.
0: Yeah, at least another year, you would think. Um, And what's going on right now in Houston, if you haven't heard, I think everyone, I think every NFL fan has heard. Deshaun Watson is super unhappy with the organization and he may or may not ask for a trade. And if he does, obviously pretty much every team is like, hey, come to me, come to our team. We have the best package to offer. Um, And I've already seen Rams fans on Twitter that are like, oh my God, we could totally get Deshaun Watson. I have no idea how the hell that's going to happen. I I don't (laughs) see a situation where we could afford him one or have the assets to trade for him. So I don't see how that's possible. Um, I did see uh, some one fan, I can't remember the guy's name or anything, but someone was like one for one straight up Aaron Donald for Deshaun Watson. And I was like, saw that? yeah, I saw that on Twitter and I was like, uh, no, I was like, honestly, if it were me and I was the GM, um, and that deal was offered. If I'm the Rams, if I'm Les Sneed, I probably would take it just because Deshaun Watson is younger than Donald. So you're going to get more years out of his prime. And it's really hard as we've seen to, to get a franchise quarterback, especially one with, with that level of talent. I probably would take it, but I just don't see how that would even work. I I don't see any situation where the Rams would consider trading Aaron Donald. Um, so I I just thought that was kind of funny that, you know, he was like, Hey, one for one Donald for Watson. I'm like, uh, ah, I don't know, man. Yeah. So it's going to be really interesting going forward. This is going to be a storyline I think all year because clearly they don't have a good relationship and it could be as simple as what you said. It could be just a motivating tactic that he's trying to just light a fire under his ass and be like, Hey dude, you're not performing, and if you don't start performing, we're going to play somebody else. Um, Or he's legit questioning whether he's going to start him and whether he gives the Rams a best chance to win. So we'll see, but this is going to be a storyline going up um throughout the entire offseason, and it's probably going to heat up again around draft time because – that always seems to be the time when trade rumors kind of start to pop up and stuff like that. So it'll probably pop up again. Um, if
1: they draft a quarterback Then you got to question it a little bit more too.
0: Oh yeah. And I, dude, I, I wouldn't put it past this organization to totally (laughs) spend like a six round pick on a quarterback just to be like, yeah, look, see, we got a competition for you. No big Mm -hmm. deal. Nothing to worry about. Um, so who knows uh, this whole the off season's only like four days old at this point but it's been it seems like a long one there's been a lot that's been going on between losing our defensive coordinator all this quarterback controversy stuff this is not ideal this is not how you like to start your off season but here we are uh the good news is we have a really damn good team and Going forward, you still have to like what you see as far as who we have on the roster, who our coaches are. There's really nothing to be depressed or upset about. It's not like we're in a rebuild or anything like that. Um, so we'll we'll take it as it comes. We'll see how it goes. And um, I, I don't think we're going to be short on content <laughs> this offseason. I think that's for sure. But uh, going forward, we'll, we'll start doing some more episodes, kind of focusing on uh, the NFL as a whole, since the Rams obviously aren't in it anymore. Um, I think our next episode, we'll probably do some uh, recap of the championship games. We'll probably do a little Super Bowl preview, stuff like that. We'll get into uh, the year in review, and we'll kind of talk about some of our old predictions that we made before the start of the season and see how well those aged. I can't wait to check those out. Um before we take off, Aaron, do you have any final thoughts?
1: You know, I don't. I'm, okay. just, uh, I'm disappointed. But, uh, I mean, this is what happens. It's a game yeah. Yeah. for next year. And I, yeah, I really just want to see how this defense is going to hold up next year with a new defensive coordinator. I want to see what kind of offensive, uh, who we have running at the quarterback position. And um, I think Cam Akers is going to. Have a breakout year coming up this next season. Um, yeah. Otherwise, I have nothing really else to add.
0: The only thing I'm going to add is my little final thought: is how cool would it be if we got a Bills Buccaneers Super Bowl simply for the fact of for 20 plus years the Tom Brady ran the AFC East and dominated the Bills. He finally leaves. The Bills make it to the Super Bowl, and they have to play Tom Brady. How freaking crazy would that be? I mean, if you're a Bills fan, that's got to just piss you off. That's got to kill you inside because you watch this guy just kick your ass for 20 years. He finally leaves. You make it to the Super Bowl, and you have to beat him to do it. Like, what a storyline that would be. Um, I think that would be incredible to watch. And at this point, I don't, obviously the Rams aren't in it anymore. So I don't have a, uh, my number one team in here. So I'm going to root for the bills the rest of the way. I would love to see the bills win it. Um, I have a soft spot for the bills, so I would love to see them make it to the super bowl and definitely win it. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with these games coming up. Uh, thanks as always for listening guys. We appreciate it. We will see you guys next time.